Hey y'all, and welcome back to Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Lacey Dunn, registered dietitian, here to spread the scientific knowledge in the worlds of fitness and nutrition. I'm so excited about today's episode, so make sure you listen in and get ready to learn. Alrighty guys, before I dive into this episode, I just want to thank you so much for listening. Please, if you like this podcast, you love this podcast, please share, leave a review, help us grow and help us reach more people in order to change more lives. I do want to apologize. This episode is heavy in my opinion and it may ruffle some feathers. So just get ready and I hope you enjoy it. Let's get started. Hey guys, I'm so stoked for today's episode. I have Laura Legos. She is the sassy dietitian and she is an incredible human being. I'm very excited to have her on. So Laura, do you mind telling my listeners a little bit about who you are, what made you want to be a dietitian, and what is your favorite part about being a dietitian? Well, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm Laura, but most of my friends just call me Sass or Sassy. Um, so I'm known on the interwebs as the Sassy Dietitian. I work with clients both close to where I live, which is upstate New York, coldest place ever, um, and also on line and all over the country and I basically work healing people's relationships with food as well as helping them fuel for performance and just a healthy sustainable life. Um, I gosh I became a dietitian because a few avenues I my mom was struggling with food allergies growing up and it was really scary for me I didn't really understand it and so whenever I don't understand something I try to dive head first into the deep end and figure it out. Um, so that's really like what started spurring my energy of like, hey, there's something to what we put in our body and maybe there's something we can do about it to feel better. And at the same time, I was a competitive swimmer and I'm only 5'4", even my friends joke that I act like I'm like six feet tall. <laughs> and I wanted to gain an advantage because in the pool, um, I'm a very small swimmer and I wanted to gain an advantage and I knew that I was doing all I could training wise so I figured nutrition could be an avenue that I could explore to help myself Um, and honestly my parents just laughed at me when I said I wanted to take nutrition courses in college because I grew up on chicken nuggets and hot dogs and hated broccoli and all the things in between Um, but honestly I think I just got that out of my system as a young child so (laughs) I didn't have to worry about it later in life Um, so after I took my first nutrition course that was kind of like all she wrote. And I've been studying nutrition ever since. I continue to study it. Um, And I got into the sports world because it's something I'm just super passionate about. I love fitness. I love sports. I love moving your body and fueling your body in order to move. So um, I think that answered your question. Um, You can always tell me to stop because I just go on tangents all day long. (laughs) Oh, I totally get it. (laughs) And I think you said the favorite, my favorite part about being a dietitian, I think is that I get to talk about food all day long like I love food and I also fitness and I just I don't know I just love talking about food all day long and I could talk about it 24 7 365 and not get tired of it yet I'm so with you I can just rant away about really anything related to nutrition and it can be an issue I'm like oh maybe they don't want to hear about it (laughs) even though I want to talk about it exactly I'm the same way Okay, so I'm very excited for today's 
topics. So let's essentially start with um, the topic of body positivity and weight management. So for my listeners that don't know, it's becoming like a, a trendy thing to promote um, body positivity, healthy eating at every size, and really promoting, I guess, a non-diet type of lifestyle. And though I understand, you know, the reasoning behind this, and I understand healthy eating at every size, it being all about not promoting weight stigma and saying that the body that you have does not dictate your health. So I understand that, but it's becoming an issue to the point where different people are getting reprimanded for their choice of weight management or weight loss. People are getting reprimanded for wanting to diet. So I really am excited to have Laura on here. That way we can have this conversation and really dig into why this is a problem and then the correct way to look at it and be respectful. I'm excited to dive into it too because unfortunately I think it's a little taboo right now in the nutrition world to talk about it um, and not play a side and I find that I I'm not playing a side. I'm trying to be unbiased as mm-hmm. we're taught as experts to be <laughs> um, and so yeah uh, I don't know if you want me to dive off the deep end or if yeah, you wanna. Yeah just dive girl. Um, so yeah this kind of I honestly never realized it to be a problem until um the nutrition conference that we went to last year, which is when we crossed paths. Mm-hmm. And there was this whole like false dichotomy that just like presented itself in front of me. And it was this, and I'm sure it was there. I just like didn't recognize it because I blend both worlds together. And it's this whole concept of weight management versus the whole haze, healthy at every size movement. And it seems like there's a huge divide in the nutrition world, like you said, of you have to either be in one camp or the other. And unfortunately, that's not the case. Like I have plenty of clients who were working on weight management. We are working on getting them to a healthy weight, whether it's gaining weight or losing weight, um, and trying to get them to a weight that they not only feel comfortable in, but they are actually healthy and able to perform whatever it is they need to in life, whether it's chasing after their kids or actually competing in an event. Um, And so we're working on weight management while also working at health at every size. It doesn't To me, it goes hand in hand, and I was blown away to find that we were basically spending our time fighting over one or the other, when really we could all be fighting together and helping people find out what weight management means while also loving your body where it's at and respecting your body and, you know, nourishing the body that you have because it's obviously the only one you're ever given. So it just really blew my mind that we could have such strong camps on either side, especially being in the profession that we're in and given the science and background and evidence-based research that we have to show that both the mental side of things and the body positivity side of things matters, as does weight. And, you know, as a practitioner, if all you're focusing on is weight, that's also a problem because health is so multidimensional. It's not just a number on a scale. It's not just a blood glucose number one point in time. It's the entire big picture and all different health metrics to kind of make up the person of where they're at. Yeah, exactly. And I found what was interesting in the conversation. So for my listeners that don't know, there was um, 
at Fency, which is a food nutrition expo for dietitians, there was a kind of a conversation and dialogue between an obesity researcher and researcher in healthy eating at every size. Um, and the obesity researcher was very good at providing data. However, there was a kind of a lack of conversation about the whole entire topic and its relation into um, a person's lifestyle and what is best for their overall health. And then the healthy eating at every size um, conversation was kind of focused on weight stigma. And yes, there was research, but then there was nothing whatsoever about um, overall like body, I would, I would say like body size and contrib- on, in contribution to chronic disease management. It just seemed both people were very biased and both people were not willing to listen to each other. And it was kind of funny to listen and watch because they were kind of like not even conversing and it was supposed to be a debate. And I was like, where's the debate? This is not a debate whatsoever. You guys are just taking your own sides and not discussing in between. So that was sad because I was waiting for a fight. But it's just, it's, Same. I almost like wanted to get up there too and be like, can we just all get along? Like, let's start having a conversation and set it like, and I find this in a lot of, you know, aspects these days because people have a platform to stand on is that they feel like they can, you know, say, have their opinion and no one else needs to say anything and you no know, one needs to disagree with them. They can just leave as opposed to having a conversation. And I'm not right with everything that I say. And I'm willing to have a conversation with, with when I'm wrong. And I'm also willing to have a conversation and be like, hey, we can just agree to disagree. But um, I felt that way too. And I felt a lot of people in the audience were in one camp or the other. And I remember just being like, it was like an out-of-body experience. I'm like, what is happening? Like, how are people so brainwashed to think that there's only one way when this is our profession? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it really frustrates me because people are nowadays by these these dietitians um, and even by therapists, people are being reprimanded for choosing to go the weight loss route, for putting effort into wanting to change their body. And nobody should ever feel bad for wanting to change their body because you can change your body from a point of self-love and self-care and wanting to go after health. And I think the issue lies in the fact that some people are promoting haze, saying, hey, weight loss is not sustainable. Weight loss does not contribute to health outcomes. And they're looking at all this long-term data from a few studies that are observational and aren't looking at the full picture or remembering that just because there is not science, there isn't, you know, a point-on-point data on a on a journal article saying that this works. So I think it's just being, it's it's just ridiculous. Like there are (laughs) obviously people who have lost weight, maintained it, and we cannot deny the fact that weight loss does contribute to a lot of health outcomes. Decreased lipids, decreased cholesterol, decreased glucose. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating because we're also taught that we're supposed to base our work on a client-centric model. And so you also have to look at the individual. And I have clients exactly. who they need weight management, they need to lose weight, but they're not ready for it yet. And so we have to reset the mind for a little while and reset their relationship with food for a while. And then things start to click and it almost turns into a, okay, we've, re- we've reached the point where we accept our body where it is and we're in a better mental space where we can tackle things like weight management. And so 
there's no reason that they can't go hand in hand. And there's also the other side. I have clients who come to me who have, you know, they've almost gone down this whole, like, <laughs> I've just ranted about it on Instagram, but the whole abfluencer uh, macro coaching way of life. And that was an amazing post. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sick of the influencer. Uh, and I have nothing against abs, man. If you got them, flaunt them. But I have clients who come to me who have lost, you know, 20, 30 pounds. You probably don't even need to lose 20 or 30 pounds. Come to me and we almost have to undo some of the weight management um, in a different way. We have to start saying, okay, you need to add back a little bit of weight and you also need to retrain the way you look at your body and the way you look at health all at once. And I just... I guess I just got so confused because I'm like, I work, you have to work with both and you also have to, as a practitioner, know when to tackle which side of it, mm-hmm. even, even in the same month with the same client. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's incredibly frustrating to deal with right now because I feel like, especially as dietitians, I think we could be a more united, strong front in the nutrition expert world if we could all just say, hey, we're all just trying to help everybody reach the same goals. It's just that different clients need different motivators and different outcomes at, at different points in their lives. I think that wraps that up very well and very nicely. And it should be just a point to respect that everybody needs to be met where they are and everybody needs to be respectful that there are multiple ways to reach health, to feel overall good in your day-to-day life and to thrive. And nobody should feel bad for the way they do it as long as it is help, makes them healthy and happy. Totally. So we need to stop kind of being dictators and focusing on one specific topic or, you know, not being open-minded to other situations, topics, etc. Because, you know, like what you said, we're evidence-based practitioners. Exactly. So that's that. Moving on. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think it's very important that we kind of we dive into what makes somebody uh, a reputable resource for providing nutrition information. Oh, man, that's a big can of worms. But for one, they should have the education and the education lays the groundwork for someone to be able to help you. And that's not to say that should be the end all because I know plenty of people who have the education, but they have no experience applying that education. So education is the groundwork and then experience is really the next layer of that. Um, and the experience should be you know, hands-on, not just, hey, I studied a, um, a one module on the certification online. I've actually had to work with people um, in real life in real terms. And, um, those are kind of the biggest things that I see. Um, and then from there, I also think that the, oh, there's a bunch of different things, but the practitioner should not be, um, all or nothing. Dogmatic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, I'm like, what's the term for that? Exactly. They should not be dogmatic. They should not, unfortunately they should not be posting some sexy diet or some sexy challenge that, um, you know, that promotes a short-term result as opposed to a long-term result. Um, They should be more concerned with you than they are about them. Um, And that's something hard to see. I know I can, I can understand that, but um, that's something I see a lot in the affluencer world. They're far more worried about themselves and how they are perceived than how their clients feel and how their clients are. And, you know, I have tons of success stories with my clients, but I'm very slow to share their success 
because that success belongs to my client. It doesn't belong to me. Amen. Amen. Oh, love that. And I think that, you know, if more practitioners could understand that, I mean, I'm rebuilding my website right now and it took so much for me to think through which clients I wanted testimonials from. And it wasn't because I wanted the perfect testimonial. It's because I wanted to protect my clients and and I don't want all of their stories out there yet because they're still working on their story. And I don't want them to feel like that was the, the end goal for them. And now like where they left, you know, they're now at their after. So have they, should they just give up? Um, And if they, don't stay at that after? Are they a failure? And the answer is no. And so that's something that I really look for in a practitioner is that they're all into their client and they're not so much concerned about, you know, selling themselves. I love that. And I'm, I'm in the exact same boat as you. I don't like putting out transformations because like you said, it is their story. It's their transformation. And it's not something that I have the right to share. If they want to share it, that's amazing. But it's their story. Definitely. And it's not that I'm not proud of them and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's mm-hmm. just that I'm so protective of them and <laughs> I will do anything to make sure that they're healthy and they're happy. And the before and after pictures, they are great for a lot of people, um, but they're not great when they're blown out of proportion. And like, I think I was ranting today, like I'd rather see a transformation that um, is like, Hey, I used to eat McDonald's every day and now I'm eating a um, you know, air fryer chicken nuggets that I make at home or something like that, where it's like a lifestyle shift. And those are the before and afters that I work on with my clients. Like that's what we're focusing on mm-hmm. because the aesthetics and the weight, while they might be important to the person, they're not the person's why they're not the person's drive. Um, they're like an artificial drive for their health. So, um, you know, and speaking on that note, if your practitioner is only worried about weight, that's an issue. And I have so many clients that come to me from macro coaches who they have been told to weigh in daily. And I hate to that. Be, same. And I think that's a huge red flag. If you are being required to weigh in weight, weigh in daily, that's an issue. The only people who I know weigh in daily are those who are at an eating disorder facility where somebody is taking the weight for them on a therapeutic measure because they need to be monitored for healthy weight gain. Mm -hmm. Um, And also someone who has some type of say heart failure or kidney failure where they're monitoring water weight. And those are the only cases, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you think of any other clinical reasons, but those are the only clinical reasons where weight, looking at a scale and looking at a weight daily would be beneficial. Yeah. Even in a contest prep where I want to make sure that I'm watching fluid regulation and changes in their body weight, I say maximum four times a week, because honestly, it can be really hard on your mind to see your body your body weight change day to day and people don't understand also it's gonna change day to day (laughs) nobody should be heavily focused on weight and a whole nother issue is when people and um, coaches fixate on the changes in the scale because if somebody's goal is they, they say weight loss the real goal should be fat loss as well as forming healthy habits. I'm 100% more focused on making sure that they are forming those healthy, sustainable habits than losing weight on that scale because those healthy habits are what is going to make them feel their best and that is the goal. Totally. And that comes back to what we were talking about before of like we're managing the weight but we're not micromanaging it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, doing it daily 
is a way for, unfortunately, for a lot of these, I'm just going to keep calling them macro coaches. I know there's a lot of different terms for them, but um, it's almost a way for them to get more confident in what they're doing because they don't know how to, um, they don't know how to celebrate a client's success otherwise. And the only measure they know is weight. And that can be really detrimental, both physically as well as mentally, like you said. I have so many clients where we go through the exercise and say, okay, you know, at home when you step on the scale and you have a quote unquote good, what you consider good number, what, what are your thoughts? And normally the thoughts are, oh, I did great or, oh, I'm awesome or, oh, I cheated, which I hate that word. I cheated and I got away with it. So there's all these like just not good thoughts, even when it's a good number. And then when it's a bad number, it's, oh, I'm a bad person. Oh, I suck. Oh, I did everything I should. I obviously didn't work. So I'm a failure. And so we really work on almost like scale habits and like what you're saying around the scale. And a lot, since I'm not, I don't work with clients who like have any type of prep for contests. What we do is it's almost like I some of my clients are not allowed to have a scale. They're not allowed to get on the scale until I feel that they're ready. Mm-hmm. And I have clients who honestly, like probably could have got on the scale every day and it would never affect them because they're mentally in a really healthy space. But I just don't want to create that habit because um, it's just not necessary to to see overall health gains. Yeah, I agree. And I think another thing that's very important is uh, because you will see people, um, like you said, like the macro coaches or influencers, whatever you want to call them, say, and they have like a blog post or they have an Instagram post and it says, research shows that XXX. Well, you know, just because you say research shows doesn't mean that it's credible information or that what they're saying is true. And there's a huge difference in understanding research and just reading an abstract so I think it's very important that if somebody is saying research shows, where are they getting that research information? Can they link to it? And can they describe the methods of the paper that they read or did not read? God, that's so true. And I think a good um, gauge on if someone understands the mechanism of, say, metabolism or nutrition or the research is when they're able to explain it to you and break it down to you in simple layman's terms. When you hear someone using really complex terminology to describe nutrition or your diet or weight loss, run, because chances are they're just reading verbatim whatever they've seen and they don't fully understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good red flag. And, you know, sometimes I I almost get called I oversimplify things, but I think for my clientele and who I work with, a lot of times oversimplification is worth it because they're so used to seeing, you know, 10 articles a day come out on Facebook and they're just so confused that we Mm -hmm. almost have to oversimplify it, but done so in a manner of like, I can dig through the research if need be. And I can understand, I do understand, um, you know, how metabolism works in the body and what the heck metabolism is. (laughs) Yeah, and I think a whole nother, you know, of course, we're, we're going to talk about the importance of individ, individualization with dieting, but I think in regards to research, sometimes, you know, it's very important to just keep it simple. I, I have a few clients that they want to learn, they want to educate themselves, 
but there be there becomes like an issue to where you are so hyper focused on research and all these different mechanisms like focusing on specific little baby insulin sensitivity things or fat mobilization that you forget the big picture is what matters totally I'm like over here shaking my head like you can see and I have a lot of clients who they come to me like well I've read this and this and this and this and the first thing I tell clients is when you're working with me I am your Google Mm -hmm. I am your nutrition expert because we need to almost like speaking of like we didn't speak about detoxes, but there's so many like detoxes out there. What you need to detox is from all of that information and misinformation Preach. out there and find yourself an expert because that's what the detox we need. Because it's so true. It's like, and I, I respect people for taking action to improve their health. I think that's amazing, but it becomes really toxic when you're reading everything and anything that's put out there without knowing what to filter and what's best for you. Yeah, exactly. There's so much info on the internet and I I love that, but at the same time, it becomes really detrimental. You really have to be able to sift through credible information and for the most part, it's hard to even sift sift through what dietitians these days have credible information. I know there's one dietitian here in Houston that promotes ketogenic and detoxification and quote-unquote an anxiety diet and I'm like, like, (laughs) yeah. Seriously, not every single person needs to be on a ketogenic diet, especially people who have history of eating disorders or disordered eating or people who need carbs for fuel, you know, athletes. So it just, it, it bugs me. I'm with you. I'm with you. And what I feel and what I continue to feel is as a dietitian, my job is to be an unbiased nutrition expert. And there, that also means that I'm willing to accept that I will be wrong and I will continue to be wrong, but I will mm-hmm. continue to work to really dig down deep and figure out what's, what are the right ways to approach diet and lifestyle. And I think some dietitian put it out there of like keto is one way, it's not the way. And when she wrote that, I was like, that is such a simple way of saying like you need to be an unbiased expert because Yes, ketogenic works for a few people, works for those with epilepsy. It could work with other other aspects, but it's not the way. It's not for everybody. And even if it were for somebody, like you said, if they have eating disorder tendencies, like you have to prioritize what people need. And that's what I think dietitians and nutrition experts should be. We should be as unbiased as possible and we should be willing to admit when we're wrong. And that's science and that's the human body, you know, we, we're going to be wrong, but we also have to be open to all options for our individual client. Yeah, it has to be individualized just because um, research shows, you know, that fat oxidation, quote unquote, you know, may be better. Oh, I could dive into even more keto stuff, but it's, it's not <laughs> just because research shows or research says it's about what is going to work best for that client and their lifestyle. Exactly. If they have an Italian-based family and they are surrounded by carbohydrates 99% of the time, eh, we should probably stick to a moderate carb approach, especially if that is what they enjoy. Totally. And I think, you know, I work with a lot of clients too of like we almost talk about as their expert or as their, you know, nutritionist – I am almost giving them permission to trust their body and they don't need me to give them permission, but they feel like they do because the internet I feel like has 
showed people that they can't trust their bodies anymore, that they have to be on some type of diet or some type of protocol in order to get to whatever end result they want. And they stop trusting their body. And that to me is so sad because if you really start listening to your body, it will give you signs and symptoms of things that are going wrong and things that are going right. And it's hard for people to say, I have so many clients who are like, oh my God, I had rice last night and I feel great, but isn't rice bad? And I'm like, well, what was the first statement you just told me? I felt so good. They're like, okay. I'm like, stop right there. Like, why did we have to keep going and say, it's, isn't it bad for me? And, you know, it's starting to retrain those processes too of like, you can trust your body. You have permission to listen to your body. Exactly. And that is the part of anti-diet culture that I 100% agree with. You know, we should be pushing away the the thoughts and the rules and the shaming on foods and really focusing on what is going to be best for somebody taste-wise, texture-wise, digestion-wise, what are they going to enjoy and what is going to help them perform and be their best as an individual. Totally. And I think it it really lies in education and what we need to see more of is social media, magazines, podcasts, etc. making sure that people who are providing information are providing credible information. Yeah, it's so hard to do because I feel like there's no, I mean, I was talking to somebody about this. There's no regulation right now. Mm-mm. They're starting to become some, but there's no regulation. Like, so my husband, for instance, he's an, a mechanical engineer. He has same amount of schooling that I do and the same amount, we're the same age. We graduated at the same time and the same amount of experience that I do. And he's like, if someone were to go out and just say like, you know, he works on steam turbines. I couldn't tell you like anything past that. But if someone were to go out there and just have opinions because they read about steam turbines online, he's like the entire mechanical engineering field would just laugh at them. There would no, there would not be even a question if they were right or they were wrong. They would just not be credible. Whereas in our field, because there's not as many regulations and anyone can be a nutritionist or a nutrition expert because they eat, there's so much misinformation out there because the regulation is not in place and the respect for, unfortunately, our profession is not to the level of other professions and that's an issue. So it's like, you know, where do we have to start in order to create better information? Yeah, and I think people don't even understand that it's it's tough to be a dietitian because we're not even respected when we go into a hospital setting. (laughs) Doctors don't even respect what we say. And honestly, I would get in trouble when I was in my internship. You know, I would say something and the doctor obviously, you know, has the higher hand. The doctor has the end say. And it's very frustrating even in a clinical-based setting. Girl, same. I got in trouble because I told... Um, nutrition, or not nutrition. I told um, medical students they had to do like their one nutrition assignment in their entire um, four years at the medical college that I was at. They had one nutrition assignment, and they came to me, and it was all about heart disease. And they, I basically told them I was like, they said that they couldn't eat eggs, but 
there was like a whole, I forget the entire assignment, but I basically told them, I was like, you know, the eggs aren't the problem. <laughs> I was like, there's a whole laundry list of problems and you're attacking it from a whole real food source. And so then I became known as, oh, that dietitian told everyone that eggs were okay. And I was like, yeah, well, let's start flipping the coin and recognizing that it's more about the quality of food that we're eating and how we're teaching people to eat than the fact that eggs have cholesterol in them. And that's a whole nother can of worms, but I'm with you. I, I also got in trouble when I worked in the hospital, so I had to get out. God. <laughs> Same. I would have so much good content if I remember what happened in the hospital. But I know. I, I regret was... it. I'm like, dietetic <laughs> interns, write down everything. Uh, seriously. Yeah, it's really frustrating. You're right. I mean, even in the hospital, like I was fighting daily to get noticed. But I mean, I ended up being friends with a lot of nurses and a lot of doctors because they were like, we aren't used to dietitians coming up and fighting, like not fighting in a bad manner, but I would like track down the doctor and I'd be like, yo, I need this change. And they'd be like, who are you? I'm like, I'm a dietitian. <laughs> and what's kind of cool is that I have a, um, an outpatient clinic that recently reached out to me and the doctor was like, I remember you from, I haven't worked in the hospital for, it's going to age me, uh, five years. And I remember working with these heart doctors and I remember pushing all this nutrition and them just like pushing back. But they noticed me because I didn't, I didn't back down, hence my mm -hmm. nickname, Sassy. And they called me and they're like, we need a dietitian. We need an outpatient dietitian because we recognize how important nutrition is before they get to the hospital. Are you in? And I'm like, well, you know, obviously we're still in talks, but I'm like, I would love to be. And if it's not me, I would love for you to have dietitians on staff. And it's now, that's five years in the making. That's five years of fighting this fight. Um, and we just have to speak up and speak out and speak louder. And, you know, I think there's you and I and a few others who are willing to do that. But I wish more dietitians would get uncomfortable and speak up and speak out. And I think the major issue is that we're almost at that point where we know how much we don't know. So we're scared to speak out because we're scared to do harm. But I think by us being quiet, we're doing more harm because we're allowing others to speak over us. And I, I got to the point kind of like a year ago and I was like, why am I being quiet? Like, screw that. I'm going to speak up because we need more unbiased nutrition, nutrition experts to lead. And hopefully we can start creating some waves. Yeah, that's so important. And I think it's, it's essential that all dietitians understand that and nutrition professionals in general, we don't know everything. We are not quote unquote experts and science is always going to change. Hence eggs and cholesterol, hence grains, hence a variety <laughs> of like red meat. It's all going to be, it's all going to change. We're going to look back probably in 10 years and be like, alrighty, maybe that's not, you know, Maybe that's not true. I'm going to look back in probably five or 10 years and look at my podcast and be like, oh, crap. Yep, that changed. But <laughs> it's just very important that we know that we're not going to know everything and it's okay. And we can take back information, but we have to make sure that we are giving out knowledge and unbiased information. 100%. Ooh, the struggle. <laughs> Every day. And that's why, like you said, like being passionate, or maybe we said this off air, but just having that passion is what fuels me every day. And I love talking about food and I will continue to do it. I get people reaching out all the time like, thank you. And I'm like, no, thank you. Because I have the passion and 
I, I'm going to talk about it whether or not I have this Instagram account or this blog or whatever else. Um, but thank you for listening and allowing us to be able to be there every day and have that passion and speak out. And I, I hope that we can help, help encourage others to speak out as well. Both those who, you know, maybe are working with someone who's not an expert and recognizing that and, and speaking up for themselves and moving on and also for the expert or, you know, the nutrition or the dietitian who we know we're not total experts, but we should be the leading expert mm-hmm. um, and speaking up and, you know, talking about all of this and being known in the field. Exactly. And I do want to mention, you know, just because somebody is not a dietitian does not mean that they do not have a lot, vast majority of knowledge. There are plenty of individuals who have a wealth of knowledge who aren't dietitians. Because think about it, you know, as you know, Laura, you you put a lot of money and time into being a dietitian and it's a lot clinical based. So somebody just wants to be a quote unquote macro coach, maybe they don't need to be a dietitian. I I became one because I wanted that credential. I also thought I wanted to be a clinical dietitian back then. Well, that didn't happen. But the point is, just make sure that you do your research and who you go to for information. And I think a good, you know, ask questions. Ask what is their philosophy. Ask them if they know about the insulin theory hypothesis and if they can debunk that or not. That's so true. And it, yeah, and definitely want to kind of piggyback on that is that, yes, dietitians are not the only nutrition experts. I have a few friends in the field who they have the education and they took a different experience route to get to where they are. Um, And you don't need the RD after your name to necessarily help people with their nutrition. Um, So yeah, I I would agree with that. I don't want to get, get yelled at by my friends who are not dietitians, but are equally as, uh, as good at what they do, if not better than me at what they do. Yeah, I know some people, um, some people can be NTPs, nutrition therapy practitioners, just all in all, if just know that you need to be careful in who you trust, because it's your health and it's your body. And you don't want to throw that away. Totally. And the same goes with anything that related to your health. Um, You are your boss as far as your health goes. And I have many who come to me even even talking about their doctors. And the thing is, is that there's bad doctors out there, there's bad dietitians, there's bad mechanics, bad hairdressers, there's, you know, any profession, you're going to find something that doesn't work for you, even if it works for everyone else. So there's plenty of other options out there. And just know that you get control, you have control over that. If you don't like what your doctor's saying, find another doctor. Don't like what your dietitian's saying, find another dietitian. And, you know, we're all privy to that. And that's a beautiful thing. Exactly. Now, I do have a question for you um, in regards to talking to my listeners and them getting a good picture of what is going to be best for them. What is your top? What are your top pieces of advice for somebody forming healthy, sustainable habits? Ooh, um, don't try to do it all at once. <laughs> Make small changes, small lasting changes. Um, don't do it alone. So find people to help you do whatever you're doing. And I'm trying to think what else. Oh, man. About 100 different other things that I can't think of. But I would say start small, um, find someone to help you. And then the biggest, the people who have the most success are consistent. That is across the board. I've worked with hundreds of people and 
consistency is the top factor that I see in those that are successful. And consistency doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't exactly. mean they're doing everything right all the time, but they're always pushing forward. You know, I was talking to a client today who they felt like they took a back step. They, they felt like they backslid into all bad habits. And we looked and, you know, we talked about what she had eaten this week. And yeah, she backslid from you know, eating two vegetables a day and drinking water to, you know, going out to eat a few more times this week and not having as many vegetables a day, but she was still getting vegetables in her day. She was still drinking more water. And so it was almost like she was being consistently uh, healthier than she had been before. And it's just that, you know, she had a trip up. She had a busy week. The baby wasn't cooperating. The parents, you know, her parents weren't cooperating. So it's a matter of just being consistent, consistently showing up and trying and just pushing forward and those are the ones that I find are most successful exactly and if it's going to be a healthy and sustainable lifestyle you don't fall off a lifestyle there's no wagon to fall off of you're gonna you're gonna you know have days where you're gonna eat more eat less Um, you're gonna go to more refined foods than less refined foods and you know what sometimes that's totally 100% okay it's all about your overall the overall picture of your diet and your week and remembering that health is more than what you eat it's how you feel it's your emotional health your spiritual health and it's your full human being 100 percent awesome well i'm just so thankful that you were able to come on my podcast and um rant away with me so thank you for doing that uh can you tell my listeners where they can find you and then if they want to work with you where they can contact you totally well thanks for having me on this has been awesome um you can find me right now at the sassy dietitian on instagram um depending on when this comes out i am also at the sassy dietitian.com but i have a beautiful friend who is working on my website for me and making it more technology sound because I don't know anything about technology. Same. And <laughs> and then you can um, also just DM me on Instagram. If you don't have Instagram, you can email me at laura.t.ligos at gmail.com um, and I will respond to any of those. Love it. And just to pinpoint you know the end of the conversation kind of moves in there you know just because somebody can diet doesn't mean that they should be coaching you on how to diet and just because somebody can build a Wix website you know I don't know if anybody knows but that's where you can build your own website for free doesn't mean that they should start charging somebody to build their own website just thinking about the whole website information. <laughs> <laughs> totally true. I wish that they had taught us uh, in our internship how to create a website because I think that also might help dietitians. Um, I think a lot of us are not tech savvy. So, <laughs> I wish they would have told me that clinical dietitians don't get paid squat. <laughs> true. They don't talk about anything in regards to salary. No, and clinical dietitians, more power to you guys. You have a tough job. Oh, yes. Tough job fighting those nurses, fighting the doctors, <laughs> being stuck in the basement all day. Uh, seriously, you guys are the real MVPs. You deserve a raise. They do. They do deserve a raise. Goodness gracious. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, and I hope you have such a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks, Lacey. You too.